and welcome to this edition of A Public Affair on KGNU with the Community Foundation of Boulder County. I'm your local host, Jim Williams, Dean Emeritus of University Libraries for CU Boulder, and I'm a trustee for the Community Foundation. Today, I'm joined by three experts who can help us all understand what starting school looks like this August and how teachers and families are navigating the complexities, including meeting the needs of our community's most vulnerable students. With me are Brenda Lyle, founder and executive director of the Family Learning Center, Katie Meharry, a parent of a first grader in Bloomfield. And you may remember that Katie was recently featured in the Boulder Camera about how her family is working the problem. Also joining us is Marina Orozco New, a second grade teacher at the University Hill Elementary School in Boulder. I'm gonna start with Brenda. Hi, Brenda. Brenda, can you hear me? Yes, I can, sorry. Hi. I'm not a technical person, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite all right. It's a delight to uh, have you on this program. Would you uh, tell us, in both Boulder and the St. Brain Valley School Districts, the school year is picking up where the last one left off with remote learning. Can you give us a, an overview of what challenges this presents for families and students, in, including day-to-day -day challenges? What's going on, Brenda? Well, I would say, let me just say, I think there are many challenges, but I'd also say that uh, all of us, everyone I talk to, we're all trying to figure this out as we go because it's not been done before. And so, so that's the way we look at it. One of the biggest challenges I see for families, is, and it all, it's all based upon your privilege, and even at that, there are challenges. So the challenges for low-income families with this system is that many of our families live in small uh, units, uh, apartments, mobile homes. So for example, if you live at San Juan del Central, when you walk in the front door, your foot, it's in the door, you're in the living room in the kitchen. So there's no kind of separate area that you can kind of set up a learning space, a dedicated learning space for students, that's one. And you don't have a lot of parents who either have the skills, uh, the patience, or the resources to become in essence uh, that home teacher. And so for a lot of our kids, what I see is the most challenging from what I hear from teachers who are trying to teach online is that there is a vast group of those kids with limited resources that aren't doing as well on the system. Uh, because to do well on the system, it requires an incredible amount of support for, um, the, from, from your parents or whoever is going to be assigned to make sure you get up that you have a schedule, that you're connected. And then once, you're, once you try to get connected, one of the things parents 
and students are saying is that with any online learning, technical issues come up all the time. And so when you're trying to, when you don't have the skills and you're even trying to find someone at the district who can help you, even over the phone, a lot of our students and our families don't have even the technical ability to utilize that. So I think that those are some of those are the biggest challenge. And then you deal with the other challenges that some kids learn better with the one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, very few kids I've found, even under normal circumstances, because Boulder Valley, for example, uses only online courses for summer school, is that one, if, you, if they don't have someone that's uh, disciplined and watching them, they just, their kids are not focused. Um, and if you don't have structure, you're just not there. So I think when you lose a personal contact, you lose your ability to really help kids stay focused and on target. So those are some of the challenges that I see. So Brenda, is access to technology also a challenge? You know, a lot of our kids, it is a problem, but a lot of our kids, uh, even though they're giving a tablet uh, from the school, a lot of them are doing their work on their phones. Um, some of them are having, once they get connected to the internet, it's not always fast and it's not always reliable. So it's the day-to-day -day challenge of structure, support, uh, resources, and the glitches in technology. So are uh, both school districts Boulder Valley and St. Vrain using the same learning system? I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure um, what system uh, they're using. Okay, thank you. So Marina, we want you to join in this conversation. Hi, good morning. Good morning, thank you for having me. We're so delighted to have you. So tell us about educators. What's most on their minds these days and how are they adapting? Well, I, I have to give props to my colleagues. You know, teachers are, uh, you know, we have to be flexible during this time more so than we have ever had to be. Um, and so, you know, I'm a teacher. I have a lot of teacher friends, um, colleagues that I work with and a lot of people spent their summer either working with the district on um, like in Boulder Valley, it was creating video lessons for kids that are accessible, um, asynchronous, um, in asynchronous learning. That way students, uh, because of the issues that Brenda mentioned, if we don't have uh, reliable internet, um, Sometimes as, even as adults, we don't have that reliable internet. For kids, it's gonna be 10 times as harder for them to problem solve that. And so a lot of teachers spent their summer uh, making lessons, uh, video lessons that kids can access at any moment if they happen to get kicked off the internet. Um, there's been teachers that have been on reintroduction committees to make sure that um, this the solutions that we're coming up with really take into account a lot of the different perspectives that are needed um, because it's just such a complex issue to fix. Um, and so, and then for the last week, at least in Boulder Valley, um, you know, parents um, 
the start date for kids was pushed back for a week. And the reason for that was we as teachers needed to catch up with all of the work that was done over the summer. So not only within our school district and our schools, but within some of the platforms that we're using. So in Boulder, um, I teach second grade. We in the spring used Google Classroom, um, you know, to try to quickly fix the problem of remote learning. But this time we're starting in the fall with a platform called Seesaw, which is a lot more uh, interactive with kids. And that's what we want. That's what we're missing as teachers. We, we want to interact with them. Uh, we're missing the in-person piece of it. So the next best thing is to hear their voice, right? When they're recording something or to see um, a picture of their work. And so that will help, um, I think, with some of the challenges that we experienced before. So what about the concern that teachers have about returning to the classroom in an environment that includes a pandemic? You know, from, from our perspective, and I, I'll speak for me personally, because I know everybody um, falls on different points in the spectrum. Um, we just want to make sure that our kids are safe. That's our number one concern um, and, and that our staff are safe. And so uh, we, you know, the guidelines are put there, the health guidelines are put there for a reason. And um, if, if the decision is made to go remote, you know, that's not my first choice. Obviously I'm, I'm an in-person teacher. I want my kids um, it feels weird to be in a classroom without kids, um, but we also, um, I also understand that I don't want kids sick and I don't want staff sick. Um, and so uh, this is, this is the, the solution we have for now. It I looks like, out a little bit. Can it you looks like you're actually sitting in a classroom. Is that correct? Yes, I am. Um, I am here. Um, we are given the ability to come in and, and get our things um, to take home if we choose or to teach from the classroom. Our building currently is under construction, so we have to um, kind of deal with that challenge also. And so I will be actually teaching from home and setting up a classroom at home while one of my colleagues will be actually using my classroom and teaching from the classroom remotely. So do I remember correctly that your school has a strong curriculum for uh, second language kids? Yes, we're a dual language school. So um, we, most kids have a second language. We have some students who we, you know, are, are fully bilingual and, and come from bilingual environments. And then other students who either Spanish is their second language or English is their second language. Is that one of your challenges as a teacher? It is a lovely challenge. <laughs> um, it, we love it. Our, our staff, I mean, we, we are family here. Um, we deal with these challenges together. Where the challenge comes is there are a lot less resources in Spanish available than, than are in English. And so that's where our teachers have to work really hard to, to find the same rigor and the same quality 
um, in Spanish. And, and that's really where our native Spanish-speaking um, teachers are so skilled at what they do. Ah. Well, let's talk to someone who's facing all of these challenges. Katie, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. You Good decided morning. to tackle the issue by creating a learning pod in your home. So tell our listeners, what is a learning pod and how is yours working? Sure. Um, yeah, so I only learned about them recently as well. Um, so basically, a learning pod is the small group of families that upfront agree on a plan for what and how they want to teach their kids. Um, all the members of the group decide what's important to them academically, socially, logistically, in order to support their children's learning. Now, some pods function by parents being the teachers and often rotating this responsibility among families and then some hire professional teachers like we did. The cost of this learning is then shared among the families and um, some pods rent a space, um, dedicated space for learning. Some rotate among families, that's very common. And then some meet at one designated families up, um, how home like we decided to do in our case. Um, and then since both me and my husband work full time, I knew we needed to hire a, a professional teacher. I happen to have a good friend um, who is a recently retired teacher from Boulder Valley. And luckily she agreed um, to work with us. So what, um, is, what is the uh, curriculum like? Yeah, so we kind of as a um, team with the families decided on, on sort of the most important topics as we're going to be meeting um, three times a week for four hours each uh, to focus on the classic um, key subjects as um, English, reading, writing, um, these are first graders, um, math, as well as Spanish. Um, our teacher is um, also a Spanish teacher, so um, we were very lucky to have her. So these are sort of, um, and she may incorporate science into the teaching as well. So uh, these are kind of the main subjects they're going to focus on. So are you all, are you all in the same place at the same time or are you all doing this online? No, so this will be at our home. Uh, we set up a little classroom and the children will come here um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8.30 in the morning, kind of like regular school, and we'll be here till 12.30. They'll have um, hourly breaks. They'll go outside. In fact, the instruction will be outside as much as possible if we, the weather permits. They'll have hourly breaks, stretches, um, so and they'll have a snack break around 10, 10.30. So it'll be kind of like a mini classroom experience for them. And then um, it'll be up to each family to cover the online requirements. Um, teacher may spend, it really depends on what the school comes up with, um, how they, um, what they're expecting, but um, teacher may assist end of, end of day, um, each day on, on some of the online requirements if the children or the families require that. We, we don't have the details um, on that completely yet, so. So do pod, pod groups get together and share notes? Uh, you mean like, so we actually set up, one of the, the parents is an IT guru and he set up a Google Classroom for our little pod. 
So um, teacher will be sharing a material online uh, with everybody as well for the families. Um, and um, so we'll have to work out more of the details still, but yeah, so it, it'll be, we'll, we'll follow mainly the Boulder Valley curriculum for first graders for our school. Um, our teacher will be meeting with the individual teachers also. And um, so that's kind of the plan for now. So how did Katie find out about pod groups and make <laughs> the decision that this was the solution for her family? That's a very good, very good question. Very 21st century. I, it was a Facebook group um, that um, um, Julie Simmons organizes. It's a, it's a um, Boulder Valley learning pod, I think, I, I can't remember the exact name, Facebook group. And so I joined that as soon as um, that was available. And um, she compiled a list of, um, she put together a, a quick little database of families that were interested by each school. And she connected me with some of the parents that are part of our pod. Um, and so um, that's how this started. Um, and then I um, quickly called my teacher friend. I knew she recently required, um, retired and uh, normally would do substitute teaching to supplement her retirement, but that's not available <laughs> these days. So I asked her if she was interested in this job and she was. So then I asked her, you know, um, what her hourly uh, rate would be, uh, you know, quickly did the math, what we need to come up with for the week. And then I talked to, um, I reached out to four families that my daughter was friends with and they all actually agreed and were excited about the opportunity. And, you know, I came up with the sliding scale based on what people were able to afford. So, um, you know, we actually have one family that is coming to us for free. Um, father lost a job during the pandemic and then we actually have four different tuitions for for the different families so um, did that kind of on the fly as well but it worked out really well for everyone I think. So do you part, part people plan on sliding back into your school district curriculum once things change or are, are pods forever? So I think it's a mix. Um, you know, I think our pod, we'll just, we'll, we're being really flexible and open-minded about this whole thing. And I think that's really important for other families to consider to, you know, kind of like Marina said, to flexibility is the key these days. Um, you know, um, we'll just have to see, um, you know, I, I'm, you know, I happen to be an epidemiologist also as and a biostatistician, and I am pretty familiar with the trends and, and so on. So I think, uh, it's probably this is going to be a tough year for everyone. So I think we're ready to keep this going as long as we need to. Um, but it is really, you know, kind of supplementing um, the, the um, curriculum that the school offers. So it's not really replacing it. So we will work with the school and the school curriculum. Yes. Well, congratulations. I'll, I'll go back to Brenda and Marina now um, you. because you, you've created something that is a solution for you. The next question to Brenda and Marina is, what other kinds of things are families and community organizations and school districts doing uh, to create solutions like you've created? So Brenda, Marina, what, what are you hearing out there? Well, this is Brenda. And one of the things we are actually doing is we're setting up uh, open lab hours at our center. So those families who don't have a quiet space, those kids who need help can actually come 
to our center in small groups. So that's one way we we're working. Um, so I, I, and we're trying to reach more parents to check in, make sure things are going well for them and to give them the option of coming in. So Brenda, when you say small groups, are you considering these small groups to be pod-like? Well, we're gonna stick with the guidelines. We are not having, we're trying to, we're keeping our groups to no more than five to six kids at a time. So there are blocks of times in our lab. So you can sign up for which block you wanna come to. Marina, what do you have to offer on this topic about other solutions that you're hearing about, like what we've heard from Katie and Brenda. You know, one of the things that, uh, yes, that I and the teacher have heard about that is so important and so vital is uh, treating this as a community problem instead of just an education problem, right? And so um, the public libraries right now, um, services and Boulder, Boulder Public Library did in the spring, I believe also, those to me are solutions that are community-based, right? Because um, no one organization can solve every problem. And so if we were hearing a lot that our students don't have reliable internet, then our IT department, right, is frantically trying to figure out and working around the clock to um, problem solve that. And so our teachers, right, we became IT people overnight. Um, but we also need the help of, of community organizations, um, especially places like libraries, or I know Impact on Education has given a lot of um, school supplies, which right now that supply and demand chain is affected, right? A lot of us can't find Lysol wipes um, for our homes. For kids, um, I was just notified that something that I had on order for my classroom is not available. And so then we have to problem solve through that. The, the supply and demand chain is really stressed right now. And so it takes everybody together to figure out what resources we have. Challenges, challenges. I want, I want to um, take a moment to thank our listeners for tuning in to KGNU's A Public Affair this morning. Our discussion today is about what it means to be starting school this August and how teachers and families are navigating this complicated situation, especially families of our most vulnerable students. I want to go back to our speakers this morning and ask each one of them whether or not they are possibly seeing a silver lining or other opportunities in this stressful situation. Is there something that you're seeing um, on the horizon that makes you positive about that horizon? Or are there things that you see that are really worrying you? Anybody, Brenda, 
Uh, this is Brenda. I'll just say my optimistic thing I can say is I've learned to just take it one day at a time and let go of all notions of perfection. So, so what has happened, Brenda, that brings you to a point where you're no longer thinking about perfection, but just good process? Well, I, I, I think we're used to doing things a certain way. And I think what helps us lower the stress level, even for kids, and we told our kids that's the summer, there's no right or wrong. We're going we're gonna to do what we can do, how we can do it. And we're going to let, if we don't feel like we're doing it the way we used to do it, we just have to let that go. Does everybody else on the call reflect what Brenda is saying? Yeah, this is Katie. I can agree with Brenda a lot, actually. Um, you know, and in terms of specifically with the learning pods, you know, I can think of a few silver linings, at least, you know, um, with this, our kids will have lots of individual in-person instruction, in fact, uh, more than they would in a larger classroom or just through online learning. And then they will also strengthen their friendship with their peers. And I think during these chaotic times, um, a strong sense of belonging will be very beneficial to them, especially some of these kids have gone through a lot lately. And then, you know, most importantly, I would say another silver lining is that, you know, during these unprecedented times, the way our families collaborate together, that's a really good problem solving modeling for our kids to show them how a community, even a small community like ours, can work together and figure this out together. So Brenda, one of the things that you get when there is normal school going on is counseling. What kind of uh, counseling uh, are you able to provide through the Family Learning Center? Um, I see we're running out of time. But we are doing a, a program that's called Spices. And it is, it, it, what it basically is, it allows kids to journal in five different human development areas to say how they're doing in each of these areas every day. It's a way to open up discussion and it's a way to track how they're feeling emotionally. Marina, anything to add to that? Uh, I think silver lining out of all this is I have communicated with families so much more in the 10 years as an educator. Um, the last three months of school last year was, I mean, I communicated with families every single day where uh, in the normal school setting, we don't, get to, we don't get to do that. You know, our interactions are a lot of times with kids and we, we, you know, we try to bring families in as much as possible, but now it's like all the time we're communicating with families. So that's a silver lining. Thank you so much. And thank you to Brenda and Katie and Marina. There's so much more to talk about, but we certainly do thank you for joining us this morning. And for our listeners, we want to thank them for tuning in to the Community Foundation's monthly program on KGNU's A Public Affair. You can learn more about the Community Foundation of Boulder County at C-O-M-M-F-O-U-N-D dot org.
We'll be back on your KGNU Public Affairs program on September 28th. Until then, please be well. <laughs>